Welcome to the Crossover Church Podcast. Although we are in Tampa, Florida, our platform is global and our impact is international. Our mission as a church is to empower people to discover, develop, and display Jesus Christ in every area of their lives. Join us here each week for inspiring messages, thought-provoking conversations, and so much more. Help us spread the word. Share this podcast on your social media platforms. Now let's tune in to today's message. So, we've been talking about Me Too. Sunday, we dealt with Church Too. Sunday, we dealt with Church Too. Are we ready now for my... Okay, perfect. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Let me turn this off. So helpful. You guys are awesome back there. Y'all give it up for the booth back there. Amazing job. Y'all ain't clapping for real. It's all good. Y'all, y'all don't know what they go through with dealing with people like me. Like, they, Lord, they go home and, I mean, I hope they don't drink, but they probably want to get one sometime. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so, so, Sunday we talked about church too. And I made a statement Sunday that I believe resonated with a lot of folks. And that is that the church has the capacity to wound and not always heal. Church has that capacity. We don't come to church to get hurt, to be abused, to be messed over, to be manipulated. But unfortunately, the reality is there are some churches that are not healthy environments. There are some pastors and some church leaders that are not healthy leaders, healthy people. Um, and unfortunately, in many times, um, use their seats of influence or power or privilege uh, to, to influence for the negative. And we have to acknowledge that reality. George Barna says that there are roughly, there's, this is an estimate, uh, roughly 25 to 30 million people in the United States who have walked away from the church because many times they've been hurt. Um, when you look at the reality, many folks in church are on their way to heaven but don't have great people skills. Did y'all catch that? We're on our way to heaven but don't have great people skills. Raise your hands when you were growing up if your parents or the people you grew up around, grandparents or whoever raised you, actually taught you how to handle conflict. Raise your hands high. Don't be afraid. Okay? Not a majority of the hands. Most of us learned how to deal with conflict the wrong way. And in some cases, still haven't learned how to deal with it the right way. And so when you combine conflict with unhealthy people, flawed people, it becomes a toxic situation. And we have to acknowledge that there are people around us and people that are coming to church trying to worship, but really have been abused, have been hurt by the church. Sunday, I I made a clear distinction as we talked about this, that we're not talking about those that are claiming church hurt over petty issues, right? And the truth is, there's some people that you'll come in contact with, and they've been, they say they've been hurt by the church, but it's really over petty issues, Tasha, right? Um, They didn't save my seat for me. They knew I was coming, (laughs) right? I don't know why Pastor Tommy let them paint them walls orange, Ain't no church supposed to have no walls orange, you know? 
or we do an offering. We do an offering. And even though here at Crossover, we generally only do one offering. I mean, it's very, been very, I can count on one hand how many times we've done two offerings in a, in a service. But we do one offering, Ms. B, and they'll leave and say, see, I, know, I told you the church was hungry for money. Now, those same people, though, if we don't do an offering or we miss a few Sundays and then we don't pay the light bill, those same people are going to talk about the church because they'll come in and the lights aren't on. Right? So I'm not talking about those petty issues, okay? What we're talking about is significant hurt where trauma, trauma has become the result. And that's what we want to dig in tonight. Um, We talked a little bit about this notion of wrestling with God, and oftentimes we are wrestling with God, not just the offender that hurt us, but we're actually wrestling with God. And what does that look like, and how do we manage that? Last thing I'll tell you in terms of review, as I was praying over tonight, there's three scriptures, and you you guys want to write these three down. There's three scriptures that I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of impressed on me to make sure that we talk about tonight. Psalm 147 and 3, and this is how this is how fresh this is. This, this is written down. I don't, even, I don't even have it typed up. This is written down, right? Psalm 147.3, it says, listen, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages up their wounds, right? He, he's He's sensitive to your needs. He's sensitive to your hurts. He's sensitive to the abuses that have taken place and is not interested in you walking around as a wounded warrior. Did y'all catch that? He's not interested in you walking around as a wounded warrior. Now, why do I use that phrase? Because in Romans 8, the Bible tells us we are more than conquerors. He said, I call you more than conquerors through him that loved us. So the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you can't walk around with a defeated mindset because you're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. What is a conqueror? Conqueror is a warrior. So if we're called to walk around and be warriors, he doesn't want his children walking around as wounded warriors. And and this whole issue is hard sometimes to wrap our minds around because if we saw somebody with a boot injured, we would treat them differently. We recognize there's an injury, so we, we would manage our interaction with them because of the physical wound that we see. But oftentimes, trauma and abuse like this can't physically be seen. You don't necessarily see immediately, physically, that a person has a broken heart. Sometimes it requires discernment. Look at this other verse, Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 34, 18. Listen to what it says, guys. Simple phrase, but very powerful. He is near the brokenhearted. He is near the brokenhearted. What does that promise say? That man, when my heart gets broken, when my emotions are a wreck and I'm all over the place, the Bible says he's right there. He's near the brokenhearted. He's not in some far distant land, some cosmic God disconnected from my reality. He is near brokenhearted. Then look at this last one. I love this. Isaiah 61 and 1. When you look in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, 
Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 and 1. And he's quoting Isaiah 61 and 1 as his mission statement or his purpose for life. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he goes through these list of things that he says the Spirit of the Lord is calling me to do. And one of the things in that list is, he says, I came to heal the brokenhearted. So what's the message for you right there at the beginning? If you're here tonight and your heart is broken, right, he can heal you. You bandage up your wound. He's near. He's close. And literally, new life can be found in Jesus Christ. So, Miss Mindy, for those that were not here Sunday, how do we pick up your story? How do we get a little bit more of an intro to the trauma and abuse that you experienced? I came to a place where I had been avoiding and running away from the pain and the shame because I wasn't willing to admit it to myself or to God. Hmm. So once I was able to realize that I needed help, I was able to find some safe people counseling, celebrate recovery, some pastors who allowed me to admit and share some of it. I only, I only tried little pieces of it because I... I was scared, but I admitted it in a safe situation, and then that gave me the courage to admit it to God, even though I know he knows what I feel and what I go through. Mm. Um, but at that point, I was, I'm very angry, and I, I got beef with God. I, I, I can't hear God. I, you know, So it just helped to talk to a, somebody else. When I admitted it, I feel like I was able to see more clearly that I needed help. You, you got beef with God. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Because I think many people have been raised in an environment where you, you can't question God. You can't be frustrated with God. You can't be like, okay, God, what's up, right? So let's talk about that for a moment. Why, why, how do we get beyond that? How do we get to a place of acceptance that, in fact, we can ask God some questions? In that place where I was searching the word for justification for being angry at God, Honestly, I couldn't find it, but God would show me verses where other people had been abused. Mm. And then that scripture in Isaiah about come, let us reason together. When I felt safe enough after I had admitted what had happened, he showed me where he was in that. And prior to that, I would see, I would relive the moments of abuse, etc., with God's back turned against me. Like he wasn't, he allowed it. Why did it happen? Mm. And now, since my heart was softened to understand that he was as angry about what happened as I was, it, it calmed me down, and it made me realize it was okay to be angry with my abuse and redirect my anger versus towards God to the actual offender. Wow. Raise your hands if you're here tonight and you, you have questions for God. Raise your hands if you... We said this Sunday, but I think it's important to say it here again, that God can handle our questions, right? One of, the, one, of the, one of the healthiest things you can do, write your questions down. In your prayer time, you take that list to God, right? You take that list to God and say, okay, God, you and I going to hammer it out. We're going to talk, talk it through. Now, you may not be able to go through that whole list in one prayer time, Right? All right, that's, that's overload. <laughs> but 
But eventually, over time, you'll be able to walk through that season and walk through that, those moments where you can take those questions to God and very candidly ask God, God, I, I need some answers. I need some understanding, right? You said something, though, just now that I think um, I'd love to dig into it a little bit more because I think um, Proverbs 4, I believe it's verse 23, says, above all things, guard your heart, right? You just said once you got to a place where your heart was soft enough, well, the opposite of that is that you have a hard heart. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit more, even as it relates to abuse and trauma and frustration with God and the whys and, God, how did you allow this to happen and why did you let this happen and what, what, how is there going to be good that comes out of this and just all of that. Like, let's talk about that as it relates to our heart. I mean, how do you get your heart soft? I think for me, what I did was I, const- I stayed committed to the healing work in terms of working my recovery, going to counseling, holding myself accountable to where my anger was taking me. Um, whenever I read the Bible or spend time in worship, I have an encounter with his love. And his, his love melted that force field around my heart. I mean, my heart was on lockdown. It was angry. Um, but nobody knew it. And so the more time I spent with him, understanding he didn't do this to me. He didn't allow it. And that the coming day of judgment is coming for who is behind it brought me some comfort and helped me to realize that it wasn't his fault. Yeah. If that helps. Um, all right. So let's just let's, let's keep it 100. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it 100. All right. <laughs> Was there ever a point where you're like, okay, I'm done. I don't want this God stuff right now. I don't want this Bible stuff. Don't pray for me right now. I don't want to see no church. I don't want to hear a sermon. I'm done. Yeah, when I was at uh, my previous church before I left it, I almost, I, I, I almost walked away from the church because of the church. In my opinion, Christianity had failed me. And I was putting all my hope and trust in Christianity versus in Christ. And there's a difference. Tweet that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So what got you to the place where you said, okay, I'm done, but wait a minute, time out. I can't be done. Well, it's really sad, but back in those days, remember the yellow book, you get that phone book thing. I, I was. So I literally paused this thing like the yellow book, but yeah. okay, I'm with it now. I know some people who know what the. Yellow <laughs> Am I the only one is? that paused this yes. thing like what? Okay, I'm, I'm with okay. you now. Yeah, the yellow book. So, the, the yellow pages, though. Oh, they call it the yellow pages. Los Angeles, we call it the yellow book. So really, yeah. they didn't call it the yellow pages. No. Let your fingers do the walking. All right, never mind. Okay. Anywho, so any, I, I reached out, I, I looked in the, in the yellow pages, and <laughs> I looked under churches, and I started calling churches in my area, asking them this one question. Do you have a woman on staff that I can talk to on a confidential level about what I'm going through? I'm desperate and I need help. You I, literally went through the yellow pages? I did. How many, how many churches ten did you chur- call? Ten churches. You called ten churches. And one church had somebody that, who helped me. That was in 2003, 2004. Like, did you start in alphabetical order? Or you just kind of... I was, looking at, I was looking at church denominations that I was affiliated with. I was looking for non-denominational because I was being hurt by my denomination. So I was looking for something safe. And that's really how I was able... I found there was a woman there 
And she said, Mindy, what's going on? You're safe? Tell me everything. So I just like threw up everything. And she didn't judge me. She didn't rat me out. And then what she did, and, I'll, and I love her to death for this, is she had me read a, a psalm. I forgot which one it was, but she's like, I want you for the week to read the psalm and then underline everything that stands out to you. I'm like, okay. I go back the next week, and I show her. She's like, Mindy, this is what God's trying to speak to you. Wow. She taught me how to hear from God for myself. You know, it's, it's funny, um, and I don't remember how long ago this was, but um, we did an interview with another member of ours. Her name is Nan. And Nan talked about, uh, you know, going through drug addiction and being out and homeless and a bunch of other stuff. She was in California as well. And the catalyst for her recovery was that she, when she was in the last rehab place, that she encountered a lady who made her read a psalm and underline everything that she saw in it. And when you just said that, just, I mean, my mind immediately went to that moment because I was interviewing Nan in this same format almost, and she said that. Any of y'all remember that, remember that conversation? Listen, y'all, and when we said this Sunday, um, if, if we try to get healing without the Word of God, it's not going to happen. Right? Um, you want to see how powerful the Word of God is and how comprehensive it is? The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. And that entire psalm is about the Word of God. Just go read that psalm. Psalm 119. Just go read it in your own time. Right? That Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Forever, O oh Lord, that Word is settled in heaven. Right? Um, I hid your Word in my heart that I might not sin against yes. you. Right? And over and over again, that Word is, a, is as sweet as the honeycomb. Right? And over and over again, it talks about this. And so, part, part of you know, part of what we're trying to challenge you to do is fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the Word, and you won't be trying to make a God out of a church or out of people. Right? And that's important. And that's what I was doing. I was putting, I was making them type of gods. I was making my, my resentment a God, my anger a God, these people. I had unrealistic expectations for their ability to comfort me, sure. take care of me, care for me. Because like you said in the beginning, they didn't have people skills. They were yeah. broken. Yeah. You know, you, you, you also said, uh, I count it, you said seven times since you've been up here, uh, the word safe, right? You were looking for a safe place to say it or a safe place to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think there has to be some wisdom that when we do experience hurt or trauma, church abuse, that we need to share we, need, we don't need to be silent, but we also have to have wisdom to know where to share it and who to share it with. Absolutely. It's not social media, first of all. Because, because right, we, we, social media has changed how we operate as a culture. Even in terms of the church, I said this, uh, we had a pre-service prayer today, and I said even how the church responds to abuse and infidelity and the other issues that we, we see in our culture, social media has changed the game on everything. And I think it's unfortunate because we, we often use, we try to use social media as our counseling couch. And oftentimes when people see you vomit on social media, they're not, they're not praying for you, they're just praying on you. <laughs> right? And they're being nosy in your business to then use what you've posted as ammunition to try to keep you in bondage. 
So we have to be sensitive to what we post and how we post it. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. And so when I say safe, I meant um, I needed a woman, first of all, because I didn't want to talk to a man for obvious reasons. And uh, I just, I wanted to know that I could really practice James 5.16, which says, confess your sins to one another and the prayer of the righteous man will heal you. I wanted to experience that for myself. Time out. Yep. You said for obvious reasons. Well, for me, I don't think it's wise for me as a woman to be alone with a man. I mean, we met earlier today. I, your door was open. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be alone with a man with the door closed or confessing my stuff because in the past, predators have used that to groom me. Yeah. The grooming thing is real. Yeah. So if I expose my vulnerability, I'm, I'm prey yeah. for somebody like that. And also when it comes to ministry, the people I was dealing with were very influential. Yeah. Who would believe me? Mm. Especially mm. at the levels that they were at. So there's yeah. that piece of it too. So, you, so really it's about living above reproach, just using wisdom. True, but I don't think I thought about it like that at the time. For yeah. me, I just needed to know someone had my back and wasn't going to wrap me out. Wow, that's good. That's good. All right, so we, we, I want to show this video here in a little bit. But let's shift gears, guys. Let's, let's shift gears. Let's talk about forgiveness in all of this a little bit. Um, because I think that oftentimes we, we mess up and misunderstand what forgiveness means, what it is, um, and, and all of that. And so there's a couple of points that you shared with me that I think were absolutely incredible. So you, they've got them for the screens. You want to kind of walk through those really fast sure. to maybe help those that are watching this and listening to this what real forgiveness is and isn't? And I did not create this. It was given to me by somebody else in the ministry, so I don't want to take credit for it. Um, but number one, forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin. Number two. Wait, wait, wait. You, you want to have to break all oh. of that down now. Well, yeah. then can I, can I do the ones that were easier than others? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, so say, okay, say, well, the, okay. say the first one again. Say the first the one first again. The first one is forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin. For, forgiveness is not approving or diminishing the sin. So for me, I, I was taught forgive and forget. Forgiveness is the true trademark of a Christian. And you don't get a say in what happens. The, the, the response should be forgiveness. And so for me, I, I, I wrestled with confusing with mm. over that because I didn't want to be subjected to more stuff. I, did, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. Am I approving of what happened to me? Like, I, it was very confusing. You, 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 there was a lot of cognitive dissonance. So just to clarify for everybody here, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Uh, as a matter of fact, you want to remember and it not sting anymore. A lot of the songs that you read where David talks about the evildoers, he, he's suggesting he remembers what the evildoers did, but because he's in God, he forgives them and is able to extend to them the same grace that his father has extended to him. All right? Let's keep going. Number two, forgiveness is not enabling sin. Hmm. There's a lot of addicts in my family, so I often would forgive, oh, you stole that, oh, you hawked that, oh, you this or that. And then I would trust again. I would help them. I would give them excuses for why they did what they did. 
And I was part of the insanity cycle myself in that regard. Hmm. Um, so, so I can trust again. Well, I can forgive, but I need to put them on a trust leash. And I have to have boundaries. Yeah, I got to have boundaries. Boundaries are important Yeah. for me. Um, when you've wronged doesn't mean that I automatically immediately trust you again. Exactly. You know, so if you stole my TV, I might have to take your keys from my house. Right, you don't have keys to my house anymore because you, you've proven now you, I might come back and the whole house is empty. Right, y'all hear me? That's real though. Right, God has to give you wisdom. Yes. Right? And so I can freely forgive someone without them being trusted yet. Right? It's a true statement. It's not Bible. It's a true axiom, true proverb. Trust is earned. Trust is earned. Yeah. Number three. Forgiveness is not denying a wrongdoing. Mm. That was hard for me. Mm. It's good. That was really hard for me. That's good. And I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Uh, number four, forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Oh. Say, say that again. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Some people, I believe some people aren't able to worship God because they're waiting on a person to apologize. And they're going to be waiting for a long time. Because if, if a person wronged you and they didn't come and apologize, number one, they, might, they may not even know that they wronged you. But then secondly, if they wronged you and didn't apologize, they may have intended to wrong you, which means that you expecting them to come and apologize when they intended to wrong you is a wrong expectation on your part. Apologies require humility. And if I intend to do harm to you, ain't no humility in a person's heart that intends to do you wrong. That's why the Bible says pride goes before destruction. Does that make sense? Yeah. And Proverbs also says that it's to a man's credit to overlook an offense. Mm. So that's good. That's also helpful. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, forgiveness is not forgetting. We covered that. Number six, forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. This is where grief comes in for me. Learning how to grieve in healthy ways has been the game changer in my walk with this recovery from abuse. And so when I say grieve in healthy ways, I mean not acting out with my eating disorder, not starving myself, obsessing about calories, not working 24 hours a day, not being in relationships that aren't healthy, not watching TV, being online, just not avoiding my pain. Mm. Grieving in healthy ways is talking to a safe person. Mm. It's journaling. It's talking to my counselor. It, it's, it's those things. And so when I grieve... When I grieve in a healthy way, the work of grief completes itself. Like God completes the work. But we have to be, we have to be taught those skills. Those are, those are learned skills and behaviors right. that, again, when I asked the question earlier, how, how many of us were taught how to handle conflict correctly? Uh, much, much of what God asked for us to do and, and, and become is learned over time. We have to be taught it, right? You got to be taught how to read the Word of God. Right? How many, how many of y'all have ever picked up the Bible and your eyes just kind of glazed over like, I have no idea what I'm reading? <laughs> right? Or how many of y'all have ever, ever sat down to pray and you were praying something, but then you found yourself dozing and you're like, okay, I don't even know what I was just praying. 
that was too real for some of y'all from the preacher. Yeah, all of that, right? Everything that God asks for us to do, we have to be taught it, right? And just like babies having to learn how to walk and how to talk, that's why the Bible calls us in Hebrews chapter 5, I think it is, we're babes in Christ, right? First Peter chapter 4, we're babes in Christ. We have to learn how to be a Christ follower. And so even in terms of these people skills, these coping skills of dealing with emotion, dealing with grief, processing that, how to process that, how to recover, um, all of those kinds of things, the Holy Spirit will help us with that. But oftentimes he uses people to help yes. us with that. That's good. In uh, the scriptures that you used, that the, I used these scriptures when I was walking through a lot of my pain. Really? And so when I'm walking through that valley of suffering, I'm mm. remembering you are an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Mm. I'm meditating to myself. And yeah. somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, but that the word meditate in Hebrew means to like jabber or to like repeat often. So like a baby like does gibberish. Like I'm just, I'm constantly saying to myself, you're, you're an ever-present help. You, you comfort the broken heart. Like I'm saying this to myself, just reminding myself that I'm not alone as I'm walking through that valley. I'm trusting in the sovereignty of God. And it's ugly. I mean, there are ugly cries. There's anger. There's all kinds of stuff, but I know I'm with the Lord as I'm walking through it. I'm not doing it alone. Yeah, meditate is a spiritual discipline. Uh, that's why he tells us meditate on the Word day and night, right? But the, so, so bef- without over-spiritualizing the notion of meditate, we, most people already know how to meditate. We just meditate the wrong way. Yes. That's what worry is. That's good. Worry is just wrong meditation. So when he talks about meditate on the Word day and night, meditating positively, meditating on the Word of God, you just got to flip that wrong meditation to right meditation. Y'all got it? Okay. Uh, let's, let's keep going with the forgiveness list here. Forgiveness, number seven, forgiveness is not a one-time event. Oh, that's so true. Because I wake up this morning, I forgave the person when I got up this morning. But there may be another thought that comes up in the middle of the day. I got to forgive them again. Right? That's why... That's why when, when they, the disciples asked Jesus about forgiveness, and he said 70 times 7, that, that was a metaphor for an infinite uh, process of forgiveness. Don't put a number to it because, you know, many of us, if Jesus had given a real number, <laughs> we'd have been like, look, you had, the, Jesus said 250. You had 249. Do it again. <laughs> You got one more gig. That's, that's country right there. Y'all, most, many of y'all never heard that before. You got one more gig. One more time is what that means for those that are proper. You have one more time. That's cute. <laughs> Did y'all see the shade she just tried to throw? Oh, that's so good. I like it. I Num- like it. Number eight, and this is a good one, guys. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. That is good. That is good. So to have the courage to report to authorities, having the courage to report to leaders, doesn't mean I haven't forgiven. Yes. I'm seeking justice in a godly way, and ultimately Jesus will handle all that when he comes back. Yeah, I, I, Sunday, uh, Sunday uh, in the message, Sunday, I, I said to people about reporting justice, right? Reporting to the law. And I said that our church is a safe place for victims. 
safe place for those that have been hurt or abused. But I said it's not a safe place for people that are perpetrators to come and hide. And I had a couple people say to me, you know, that was real strong. And I said, yeah, and I meant it. Right, I meant it. I, I think people think that when we say we're Christians, many places that we're soft. And I, I, my Bible says that Jesus was bold as a lion. Right? He says, be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. So just because I'm a Christian don't mean I'm stupid. <laughs> right? God may, may use me to call 911 for you to end up in handcuffs so that you don't do it to somebody else. Y'all see what I'm saying? And so we have to be. Now, me calling the police is not a malicious thing that if you do get arrested, that I'm outside of the car talking about nah, 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 nah. No, that's the wrong spirit. That's the wrong motive, right? Because hear me, guys. You don't, you don't as a Christian, our, our motive has to always remain pure. That even if, if somebody does wrong, so even, you know, we're all dealing with this shooting that took place in South Florida, right? And as a believer in Jesus Christ, man, our hearts are broken for those families that are grieving the loss of a loved one. But watch this. As Christians, the Bible, when Jesus challenged his disciples, that's why when you read the book of Matthew from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 7, He's flipped upside down how the world operates and for how Christians operate. And in, that, in those few chapters, he says, Christians go the extra mile. We don't do the bare minimum. We go the extra mile. So even as Christians, not only is our heart broken for those that are lost, that got killed in their families, but doggone it, man, our heart is broken for the young man that did the killing too. Our heart is broken for him too. Why? He's still a person. There's obviously signs of brokenness there and hurt there and illness there on so many levels. And our hearts, do, do y'all, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Oftentimes God challenges us to check our heart. A Christian shouldn't ever be like, I'm glad it happened to him. Really? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, right? We have to have a different posture. We have to be broken when we see other broken people. That makes sense, y'all? Y'all with me? Okay. Uh, number nine. No, oh, wait a minute. Uh, yes. I thought you were going to say something else about the justice. If you're not, I, I got one more thing to say. Well, I could say something about that, but go okay. ahead. We have to remember that even if we call the police or whatever, Ultimate justice belongs to God, though. And that's important to remember because the law of the land here may acquit them, may find them not guilty. And you'll see people, you know, somebody gets acquitted or not guilty. Well, where's the justice? Where's the justice? Trust me when I tell you, they may not get it from the legal system, all of us <laughs> got to an answer to God for everything. The Bible is so serious about justice that he says that we'll have to answer for every idle word that we speak, 21st century, and that we post. 
everything we say, everything we post, everything we communicate for, we're going to have to answer for it. And all of us ought to be praying, Lord, please have mercy. Yes, Lord. Raise your hands if you ever said something you know you shouldn't have said it. <laughs> so we, we, have to be, we have to be careful that we don't try to take justice into our own hands yes. and trust, watch this, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, the fairness of God. Because there'll be some things that we want him to execute justice on that he's going to say, no, nah, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to let that one pass. Because there's somebody somewhere praying for him to execute real justice on us. And he said, no, they covered under my blood. I'm going to let that one pass too. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead. I think God's word should always be the, 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 the gauge for the justice, not my anger agenda, not my resentment, not my yeah. what's God's word saying about it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, number nine, we covered forgiveness is not trusting. Uh, number 10, this is the most important one to me. This is the last one too, huh? Yep. Yeah. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness causes restoration, but it doesn't always, in my experience, produce reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two people to cooperate to make something work. It, 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 the word reconciliation essentially means that the relationship has been restored and repaired to the original condition. Right. And the wrong message about forgiveness could be that you wronged me, so I want to bring you right back close to where you were. And that's not what forgiveness is. Sometimes I got to say, may the Lord watch between you and me while we're absent, run from the other. And I've got to create some space and disconnect. I, I find that as a pastor, I find that a lot with um, folks in abusive relationships where Scripture is used for them to stay and say, well, God tells me I need to love everybody. And they use that as a reason to say, because all the signs are there. You done been through counseling, you done did this, you done done that, you done da-da-da, and you stay. And the person ain't changing. They still beating you up, cussing you out. That ain't the will of God. And clearly that person needs help. I mean, there's something. I mean, Both of them. Right. And so there's that. I, for me, the reconciliation part, I'm praying for that with my church hurt yeah. uh, relationships. Uh, I forgive and I'm open to contact and communicating. I've not, I mean, I see, I've seen these people. They avoid me in town. Wow. It's the city. Um, the abusers, though, not so much. I'm okay. You stay on your side and I'm going to walk in peace. Wow. You know? That's amazing. All right. Let's take some questions. Let's take some questions, and uh, we're working through, we're going to work through this for just a few minutes. So we have microphones that are um, in the aisles. Uh, Ms. Ebony is going to grab one of them. Thank you so much. My brother right here from Remix is going to grab the other one. And um, uh, what questions do you have? I see a hand already right there to your right, sir. Right there to your right. Yep. At what point, um, so the Bible talks about how everything works out. Uh, for the good of those who love God, right? So um, at what point did you find purpose in your pain?
when I started coming in contact with people who were looking at me as a woman who had it all together, who never had a problem in her life, and just started talking to them about what God has done. When this opportunity presented itself, I've been coming here for about a couple years, and when I first started coming here, I had some questions, and I started the dialogue. A lot of of questions. (laughs) I had a lot of questions, (laughs) Um, and I started the dialogue. Um, I had a situation, and I just started sharing some of my story, and it's kind of, it's really fairly new, to be honest with you. makes me nervous to talk about it, but... um, when I read the word in Genesis, Joseph said to his brother, what you intended to harm me, God's going to use for good. That's not to say what I went through, that's the point. But I feel like I take my power back every time I talk about my truth and what God's done. I redeem it through his spirit that way. Do you mind if I answer? The, yeah, yeah, please. The, the, so purpose in the, finding purpose in the pain, um, you referenced Joseph saying to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God made good. That's Genesis 50. His brothers throwing him in that pit and selling him into slavery was in like Genesis 30-something. I don't think Joseph could have said what he said in Genesis 50 in Genesis 30-something. There were some experiences he had to go through first to see on the other side that there was some purpose. So, So God didn't cause it, but he can use it. Right. Um, I'm going to use a very juvenile example to make my point. Kids, get in the car. We're getting ready to go somewhere. Where are we going? Get in the car. We're going somewhere. It's 5 a.m. So I woke them up. They wanted to sleep in, but I got them out of the bed early. We're hungry. Where are we going? Just get in the car. We're going somewhere. Two hours later. Are we there yet? They have no idea that I have a special plan surprise for them. Special surprise plan for them. Their temporary pain is having to get up early. They're hungry. They're riding for a long time. But there's a plan that they won't understand until they see certain things. Oftentimes, we want to understand the purpose and the pain before certain things have taken place. And what we ought to ask God to do, and that's why he tells us, uh, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap, watch this, if you faint not, if you don't give up. So while you're on your way to the purpose being shown up, don't give up heart, because ultimately I'm trusting that God, in fact, does have a plan. Got it? Other questions? Got a question back here? Thank you. Hey, how you doing? How are you, um, sir? Good, good. So, when was the first time that you looked in a mirror and you asked yourself for forgiveness? And how did you feel? If I'm understanding the question, when was the last time? No, nah, the first time. The first time yeah. I looked in the mirror and I said, I forgive you? Yeah. I think it occurred two years ago when I started working with a sexual abuse recovery group. And I walked through an inventory of things I had done 
to avoid my pain and shame, and I had listed them out, and I had to take a hard look at myself. I talk to myself in the mirror all the time, so this is not unusual. Um, but that was really a defining moment for me, quite frankly. Yes. And I wrestled with that because it's not in the Bible. I'm like, yes. well, how, well, how do I do that? Am I supposed to do that? Because well, I was told, you've got to forgive yourself. Where's that in the Bible? Well, I'm, I'm confused. Why did you have to offer yourself forgiveness when you weren't the, abuse, I mean, weren't the abuser? What I did in my shame and pain, avoiding dealing with the abuse, is what I had to forgive myself of. Resentments that I had harbored, the, the stuff I did to my body from the eating disorder, the, the countless hours I worked and how I acted. I mean, so is that forgiveness or is that acknowledging reality? I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both. Okay. Confessing it, repenting of it, and examining my heart, it's all part of that. Okay. Awesome. Good we'll question. Take, we'll, that's a great question. That's good. We'll take one more uh, question here, maybe. maybe one, one or two more. I see a hand there and a hand here, and we'll, we'll take those last two. I got one question. Um, I don't know the verse in the Bible, but um, it talks about how God says he throws... Um, Pretty much his, our forgiveness, he throws it in the sea of for, forgetfulness. forgetfulness. How then, when we get to that point, to remember, we say, um, forgive but not forget. How, did, how, then does God, how then does God forget and not give us a, the ability to just let it go immediately? Um. I've, I've had two experiences with forgiveness. One where I've been able to forgive like that out of faith. Okay. Like, boom, I was able to forgive. No resentment, nothing. And then there was another type of forgiveness where I had to walk through a process of healing before I could fully surrender and forgive properly. So then <coughs> does going through it, going through it, we have to go through it in order to forgive it. Does that make sense? Like God wants us to go through it not, not that he put it intentionally to happy, but he wanted us to go through the process to see that he was there through it? No. I'm, I'm not. No, no. So, so the verse you're referencing, Micah 7 and 9, uh, 7, 7 and 19, I'm sorry. Um, every issue that we encounter as believers, we have to remember that we are not one-dimensional people. We are multi-dimensional people, Right? We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. If you try to approach forgiveness from just the physical standpoint, then you miss the other dimension. If you just approach it from a spirit standpoint, then you miss the other dimension. So you've got to be able to look at forgiveness at, at, at all of those dimensions. So... And that's why um, what happens in your spirit, because your spirit is dictating to your soul, your soul being the seat of your mind, will, and emotions, how you should respond. And then what's happening in your soul is then telling your body how to respond. That's why um, you, can, you can go to bed if you're stressed because you're worrying and you've not been taking your, your, your worries to God and you're trying to be your God and worry yourself. You can go to bed and get an eight hours night's sleep, but still wake up physically tired because you're multidimensional and all three components work together. 
So this notion of forgiveness, God understands that because we are multidimensional people, he can, he can progress your life to a place where you actually forget what you've forgiven people for. But he's not saying to you immediately that forgive, forgetfulness is a part of forgiveness. Because you're multidimensional, he understands that forgiveness is not just a spiritual issue and a soul issue, but it is also a physical issue. What's happening in the physical are the triggers that impacts the spirit and the soul. So I forgive a person, but doggone it if I see them again, especially if they haven't apologized or haven't humbled themselves or haven't admitted to the wrong. When I see them, it may be another trigger again that now I've got to, because I can't control what other people do. I can only control what I do. Now I've got to start the process of forgiveness all over again. Because if I see them and physically it triggers something in me again, God didn't cause them to show up and for them to be the trigger. But because it happened, now I realize maybe I didn't totally forgive them yet. Or maybe I still need to work on my heart again. That makes sense? Awesome. You want to add anything to that, Mindy? Okay. So I hand over here to be the last question for tonight. What happens if the abuser asks God for forgiveness? Will justice be served or no? I, I don't think we can answer that. Um, here's the truth. I think, I think our prayer is that everyone that's done a wrong at some point will ask God for forgiveness. Right? Um, somebody fact check me on this real fast. There's a verse that says that God is not slack concerning his promises. You can just type that, Google that. Yes. Oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me finish your question. We'll come right back to that. Let me finish your question. Um, Lord is not slack concerning his promises but he's patient toward all of us. And that's why I talked about earlier with the motives, right? Even if, even, think, think about the most evil person that you believe is the most evil person on the planet. That person could become one of the greatest Christians on the planet. If you don't believe that's possible, you don't believe the gospel. Second Peter 3.9, thank you. Paul hated Christians. He killed Christians. I ain't talking about just with his mouth. I'm talking about he physically killed him dead. God put him on his back, blinded him for a few days, gave him his eyesight back, put him on a path to go with some disciples to learn some things about the gospel who could then speak to his credibility that in fact Jesus had changed his life so that when he would walk into a church and everybody would pick up their swords or like, okay, what you doing here? Because his reputation was to be a Christian killer. The disciples who had authenticity and credibility now could say, leave him alone. He's one of us now. So when you think about the most evil person on the planet, the gospel and the blood of Jesus is strong enough to get them to.
So when that happens, to my sister's point here that she was trying to say, does God, when forgiveness takes place and reconciliation or restoration or trust and all of those dynamics take place, does God immediately remove the consequence? Absolutely not. There are times that we all have to deal with the natural consequence of decisions that we've made. If, if a Christian who's saved has a moment where they get so drunk that they go out and drive and they kill somebody and have a DWI, They in their cell, they praying, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, I'm so sorry to mean to do it and all of that. Will God forgive them? Absolutely. The word of God says he will. Right? They still got to face that court. Now the prayer is, Lord, please let them have mercy on me. Now God knows our heart. He knows if you're just doing that because you're in trouble and you want to get out of it. And he also knows if you're just saying that, you're going to go do it again. Right? But oftentimes, he doesn't remove the natural consequence of it. Did y'all get anything out of tonight? Come on, clap your hands, guys. Will y'all do me a huge favor and give a huge standing ovation to Mindy Tobin for having the courage to come and share her story and be transparent the experiences that God has had for her. Let's all stand together. We're going, to pray. We're going to pray for those that have heard this message. We're also going to pray for Mindy because we don't know what God's going to all do um, with her having the courage to share this. And uh, she's done this two services now, so we don't know what God's going to do through all of this. All right? If you have more questions after this or you're wrestling with some things after this, uh, for those of you that are worshiping with us online, um, there have been a couple points where you, I don't know, and, you know, you're working through some things. Uh, feel free to send us a message. We'll be glad to reach back out for you and to touch bases with you and to help walk you through uh, whatever questions or season of life you're in, all right? Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Crossover Church in Tampa, Florida. On behalf of Pastor Tommy Colonan and the entire team, we thank you for being a part of this experience. We'd love to connect with you, so check us out online at www.crossoverchurch.org or on any of our social media platforms. Our weekly services are broadcast live, and you can always catch a previous service on demand on our YouTube channel. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.